THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate, or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become a supporter. Hacha! Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it's our pleasure to welcome you to episode 547 Man. of the Twitted Nerd Comic Book Podcast. Nerds, my name is Matt Baum. We're so close to another milestone. Almost. I am the Internet's Joe Patrick. In this week's episode, we put our review spotlight on Holt and Catch Fire writer Christopher Cantwell's new Doctor Doom series and indie emo powerhouse Greg Thompson's first foray into monthly comics. It's bi-monthly, but that's all right. Oh, that's right. Ginseng Roots. After that, we're going to review eight more of this Wednesday, October 9th's new comics while sipping on the cocktail of the week during the ludicrous speed round. Then it's down to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we're wrapping about our must-read picks for next Wednesday. And finally, Batwoman made her CW premiere on Monday, and Tuesday was the premiere of Jenny Tartakovsky's newest cartoon epic, Primal, on Adult Swim. So it must be time for another edition of Nerd TV. It's all happening on this allergy-inducing episode, but first, we better talk about this week's Nerd Uh, buckle up, because it's New York Comic Con news, baby. That's right. We're we going to burn through stuff. Let's burn. Uh, first up, DC Universe, Blue Ribbon Content, and Warner Brothers Television Digital Production Group are developing a new mixed media slash animated anthology show to premiere in 2020 titled Bizarro TV, which is aimed to be a deep dive into lesser known DC characters. A showcase of experimental styles and creative voices and visions that will be a mix of live action and animation. The show will feature deep cuts from the DC portfolio of characters such as Space Cabby, Ambush Bug, Slam Bradley, and The Creeper. We mentioned it on Saturday, but this reminds me a lot of those very artsy DC Nation shorts they used to air on Cartoon yeah, yeah, Network. Yeah, kind of. And I am into it. Finally, we're getting that Space Cabby backstory. Hey, Ambush Bug, wanted. I am thrilled. <laughs> I love Ambush Bug. I love Ambush Bug. Uh, this sounds like a great idea. Yeah, it sounds like fun. IDW announced that Chew creator John Lehman and artist Nick Bradshaw will debut a new creator-owned comic book series in 2020. They're calling it Bermuda. According to IDW, Bermuda is just your normal, everyday 16-year-old girl. Who just so happens to live in another worldly dimension, swarming with dinosaurs and pirates! Oh! But that's just the tip of the iceberg in this action-packed saga, as we discover just who Bermuda is and how she came to be. Fun! Nick frickin' Bradshaw. Perfect choice to that draw that you, kind of stuff. He hasn't been around for a little bit, right? He's been doing a lot of covers. I don't remember the last thing I actually saw him yeah, draw. Yeah, it's been a while. I don't know. I mean, he's been around. It's not like he's out of the industry. No, 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 no I just no. don't think he's had a regular gig. And uh, John Lehman's doing this at IDW and not Image. He does some stuff at IDW. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, still, it sounds like fun. It does. We uh, like both creators. I did not love the end of Chew. A lot of people didn't. But I do like John Lehman, and I love Nick Bradshaw. I have not finished Chew, so I don't I know. reviewed the last issue on the show, and I, I was angry about it. I remember it. that. I remember that. <laughs> Marvel's The End line returns in January 2020 with six new one-shots that will tell the quote-unquote last adventures of Captain America, Doctor Strange, Miles Morales, Venom, Captain Marvel, and Deadpool. Here's Marvel's description. 
Spanning the near future to the end of the universe from happily ever after to the depths of despair, these unforgettable and surprising tales follow our heroes to their natural and unnatural conclusions. Yeah, it's about time they ended these crappy characters. <laughs> I'm sick of it. Uh, here's the, the end. Here's the list of creators involved. <laughs> Kelly Thompson and George's Gianti on Captain Marvel. That's Leo cool. Williams and Philippe Andrade on Doctor Strange. That's cool. Uh, Saladin Ahmed and Damian Scott on Miles Morales. Awesome. Love that. Uh, Eric Larson on Captain America. Uh, yeah, that Eric Larson. Uh, <laughs> Joe Kelly and Mike Hawthorne on Deadpool. Joe Kelly, yes. Yes. And yes. Adam Warren and something named Chamba. Chamba. On Venom. Chamba is my new favorite. I don't care what Chamba, Chamba does. Chamba, 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 Chamba cats. Uh, I, these are great creators. Uh, I don't. I've never really loved anything Leah Williams has written, and Eric Larson is a mixed bag, but the rest of these creators are killing it. Yeah, totally. Uh, I loved the end. Do you remember that? Peter David put out the Hulk. Uh, it was Peter David and Dale Keown did That one Hulk was the great. End. The Hulk end was really good. Um, there was a six-issue Wolverine, the end, that was not as good. Uh, there was an, there was <laughs> an Paul Jenkins, I believe. 18-issue Three volume Chris Claremont X Men oh, the end that was God. interminable. It literally didn't end. Yeah, <laughs> it was such uh, bullshit. <laughs> but I, I do like the idea of it, and I think it's fun that they're yeah, they're fun. Back. You know, yeah. Writer Christopher Hastings and artist Ryan Brown of Curse Words and God Hates Astronauts fame will relaunch Valiums Quantum and Woody. Valium, Valiance Quantum <laughs> and Woody in January 2020. Christopher tees some. Of the wackiness that awaits readers, here's your quote. They hunt a serial kidnapper. They clash with a brain monster. They Whoa. stop government assassinations. Yikes. They go undercover at a haunted high school. Whoa. They take on a new mentor. Oh. And perhaps most excitingly, they get some new powers. What? Quantum and Woody, we love Ryan Brown. He's a very yeah. funny guy. Christopher Hastings also very funny. Right? What is why Christopher Hastings? Help me. Uh, I believe that he is the creator of Dr. McNinja. Yes. Okay. Um, he also wrote some Gwenpool stuff that yes. not, neither of us read. But, That's right. Uh, I do like him as a writer. Yeah, this will be fun. I love Quantum and Woody. I do too. Love him. Uh, because somebody definitely demanded it, Amy Reader will launch an ongoing Amethyst title under DC's Wonder Comics banner. It's not an imprint, man. It's a banner. It's a banner. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally different. Yeah, that's different. This was announced during the DC Wonder Comics panel at New York Comic Con. Reader's Amethyst series is scheduled to begin this February. Eh. I don't care. I kind of <laughs> don't care. I do like Amy Reader. That, okay, what, I will say the first... Uh, what. What, I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, Young Justice or whatever, mm -hmm. where Amethyst showed up and the all the gem world, you know, soldiers were coming into Earth. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And there's no reason why Amethyst can't be a part of the DCU. Does Amethyst need a monthly title? <laughs> if it's good, great. Well, I mean, we mean, we're not necessarily the dem demographic for it. Yeah. But I wasn't exactly clamoring for it. But if it's good, great. More Marvel relaunches were also announced at the New York Comic Con because that is what Marvel does now. Yep. Writer Donnie Cates and artist Nick Klein will launch a new Thor ongoing series in 2020, as announced during the Marvel Comics Next Big Thing panel this past weekend at New York Comic Con. Colorist Matthew Wilson will be returning to Thor to work over Klein's illustrations. Cates and Klein's Thor will pit the God of Thunder against a new threat called the Black Winter. Ooh. Donny Cates uh, writing Thor. I So far, Donny Cates seems to be able to jump on characters that I could give a crap about and write them so great that I end up reading Carnage books. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, It's true. So, I mean, if this carries through, then, you know, the 
we should love this. It he's, should be great. He's been dying to write Thor since yeah. he first came to Marvel. You're not uh, crazy about Thor's new look. I'm not, but Nick Klein is a hell of an artist. I don't think it's permanent. I think there's something going on, and that's why he looks like that. We will see. Yeah, but I think it looks pretty cool. Yeah. Also announced at the panel, Al Ewing and Juan Cabal will launch a new Guardians of the Galaxy ongoing series in January 2020. P.S. They just relaunched Guardians of the Galaxy. Literally just relaunched yeah, it. Yeah, it, and it's ending at 12. Yeah, so. <laughs> Good Lord, man. Yeah. <laughs> Here's your solicit. Once they were a team of misfits. Now they're a family, and they've earned their peace. But the universe is not a peaceful place, and it's only getting worse. The great empires are in turmoil. The rule of law is dead. And amidst the chaos, the gods of Olympus have returned. Yes. Hurt daddy. Yes. Harbingers of a new age of war reborn to burn their mark on the stars themselves. Someone had to guard the galaxy, but who will accept the mission? And will they survive it? Excited, 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 uh, excited so for Hurt's Al Ewing. going to be here, and they're also going to bring back Ares, right? Um, We've maybe. seen Ares here and there pop up a little bit. Recently. Yeah, so it wouldn't all, surprise me at all. All the Greek gods were murdered in Avengers: Ain't No Road Home No Mo. That's right. Uh, and then they were reborn in space. Okay. Yeah. Why not? Uh, I'm into it. Al Ewing. Give him anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want it. Not worried about uh, Juan Cabal. Juan Cabal is a tremendous artist. Juan Cabal he's is been, incredible. Uh, he's been drawing Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, which is delightful. It's, and it's not only a beautiful looking book, it's a good book to read. It is. Uh, and they showed the cover and it's got a fun like spy heist looking cover with Star-Lord and Rocket. And then in the background are the other members of the team. And what really caught my attention? Rich Rider, baby. Nova. He's on the team? I'm excited. He's not. It's, is he still a Nova? Yeah. I don't I don't understand. What do you mean? I mean, isn't he a space cop? Richard Ryder is Nova. Yeah. Why they he, are space cops. Why is he running around with the Guardians of the Galaxy? Well, I don't know, Matt. Yeah. I guess we'll find out in issue number one of Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe he's undercover. Mm, Ooh, for what purpose? Yeah, to bust him. I don't oh, know. Oh, no. I think the Nova Corps got destroyed. Did it? Uh, I might be mixing up stories. Again? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they didn't because they were in Champions re- in Jim Zub's Champions okay. recently. I was gonna say the Nova Corps blows up more than the Helicarrier. They do but. get destroyed quite a bit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Finally, spinning out of the pages of Jonathan Hickman's massive X-Men plans, a new Wolverine title is launching in February. This was announced during the Dawn of X panel, the X-Men colon Dawn of X panel at NYCC. Uh, this Wolverine title will be Logan's first ongoing in five years. Wow. Uh, unless you count Old Man Logan. <laughs> sure. No, no, that was <laughs> totally different. Uh, and it's also the first solo Dawn of X title. We call it Docs around here. Yeah. Uh, X-Force writer Benjamin Percy will script the series with art by the rotating team of Adam Kubert and Victor Bogdanovich. I love Adam Kubert drawing Wolverine. I don't care. He's been drawing Wolverine for like 30 years almost. Fine with it. I don't care if he's the <laughs> only one that ever does it again. I agree. He's very good I at it. I love his Wolverine. Uh, I even loved his weird dog Wolverine that he drew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Victor Bogdanovich is no slouch either. He's very good. He's been at DC uh, mm-hmm. doing, I think, some Superman stuff. I think he was the artist on... Uh, New Superman, uh, the Chinese Superman, you know? That could be. Um, I forget the actual name of the book. I think it was New Superman. The book that that DC was hoping would... Sweep China. Sweep China. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, These are all fun announcements. I'm excited. Uh, Who? Who? I read read Powers of Ten, number six, and let me tell you what, the X-Men are fucked. We'll talk about it this weekend. (laughs) We'll talk about it this weekend. (laughs) 
that is your nerd news for the week, but I'm sure we missed plenty of other stories while not actually going to New York Comic Con again like we don't every damn year. Yeah. I wrote, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every damn yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hit it. we did a pretty good job breezing through that. Yeah. Uh, so hit us up on the THN Forum's big news section, or better yet, tune in to Cover to Cover Live every Saturday where we broadcast on our Facebook page from 11 a.m. to noon Central Standard Time. It's like watching The Masked Singer but you don't lose any IQ points for watching something so stupid and you control the content. Yeah, up yours, Fox. It's pretty stupid. Quit trying to cram that crap in my eye holes. Cover to cover is pretty stupid, though. (laughs) I just looked at the camera as though it were running. It's not mask fucking singer (laughs) stupid. This week, we're talking about comics' biggest ripoffs, hacky versions of characters, storylines that were rehashed, what do you think is the biggest comic book ripoff? So, call us at 402-819-4894 or click the call now button on our Facebook page. If you can't be there live, leave a message or send an mp3 to 2 nerd at gmail.com. It is spotlight review time in the cigarette where this week I'm reviewing the first monthly title featuring my favorite bad guy and Joe Patrick is reviewing a comic book about ginseng? Okay. Mm-hmm. Why don't you go ahead and start us off? I will. We're talking about Ginseng Roots, number one, from Uncivilized Comics, written and drawn by Craig Thompson. It's 32 pages for five bucks even. Here's your solicit. From ages 10 to 20, Craig Thompson, author of Blankets, and his little brother Phil toiled in Wisconsin farms, weeding and harvesting ginseng, a medicinal herb that fetched huge profits in China, funded Craig's youthful obsession with comic books. That's a weird sentence. All right. Now, for the first time in his career, Thompson is working in serial form in a bi-monthly comic book series. Part memoir, part travelogue, part essay, all comic book. Ginseng Roots explores class divide, agriculture, holistic healing, the 300-year-long trade relationship between China and North America, childhood labor, and the bond between two brothers. You know what I didn't know before this? There's a more light Craig Thompson reading. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Do you know what I didn't know before I read this book? What did you not know before you read this book? Anything about ginseng. Yeah, me too. (laughs) I did not know that ginseng was grown in America, for one thing. I knew it was grown. I knew that. I knew it was a root. (laughs) I I give you that. I knew it was a root. I understood that part of it. Uh, Writer-artist Craig Thompson is no stranger to telling his own story, and each time he does, we learn something new. Like the fact that he has a sister that was just completely omitted from his most well-known graphic novel, Blankets. Really? Yes. Uh, you learned that in issue two. I'll get to that later. Oh. <laughs> uh, okay. You can kind of see Thompson easing into the serial format as he gives the reader way more historical and procedural information about ginseng and the harvesting of said ginseng than they may be bargained for. <laughs> but he's got great storytelling chops, so it never felt dry or boring to me. Thompson is an incredibly gifted cartoonist and designer. I love the way he lays out a page, and no two pages look the same. Panels bleed together, if you could even call them panels. There are no rigid grids here. He incorporates Chinese characters and hand-drawn lettering into the artwork. His heavy brush line flows seamlessly from expressive characters to incredibly detailed environments. And the minimal red-orange color palette, I think it's a lot more striking than it would have been in full color. Yeah, and I think he's using a lot of that for the memories, because when it goes to, like, later on in issue one, when it switches over to 
modern day when he's talking like with his agent and stuff in LA. It's just a black and white comic book. And it's right. Like, it does have black and white. Yeah. But then they're then they're walking down the street and they're seeing all the markets and then everything is in that red. Well he starts yeah, he starts to see those elements of like uh Asia from his past. Mm-hmm. And those and I think it's it's like Cueing his memories, if you will. Perhaps that's what he was going he's for. That, he is that good. We'll never know. Of a drafter, I might add. That, like, he, the guy can tell stories unlike any illustrator I can think of right now. Right. Uncivilized Comics was kind enough to send the second issue as well, and I'm really glad they did. It really helped flesh out my sense of where Thompson's story is going. And the journey that led him to create this series is kind of actually a, a bit meta. Uh, Ginseng Roots is about what drove him to create ginseng roots it's it's kind right. of a self-exploration kind absolutely of thing. how how farming brought him to comics and how comics brought him back to farming yes uh, i am a huge fan of this creator and something that i forgot to write down uh is that he is collaborating with his brother uh his brother gets a couple pages every issue to do a th- yeah to do his own memory yeah and it's super fun uh, I'm a huge fan. I'm excited to follow his first foray into serial comics. It's a 12 issue series. Uh, you can subscribe to it on the Uncivilized Comics website. Uh, it's also available through Diamond, which means your local comic shop can get it for you. Definitely pre order it because. Yeah. There's and, not going to be a lot of these on the stands. Yes, probably not. Uh, I'm giving this a buy it. I loved it. Yeah, it's a massive buy it for me. Craig Thompson has absolutely convinced me by now that he could write the history of toilet paper and it would be incredible. Yes. Absolutely incredible. The thing I love most about him is that every project is so different from the last one. Yes. But he, it's still very much his. Right. Right. But even like His style does not change. It is what it is. Right. He, he like tells stories despite the size of the page. Like yeah. forcing stuff into panels, tilting panels if he needs to to get everything in there. Yes. Little things on the outside of the panel. Like I love the little ginseng the, man. Talking that were constantly yeah, yeah. like, ah, number four is an unlucky number. You know, I'm like right. freaking out about stuff. And like, <laughs> he he's just so good at what he does and can cram so much what could be construed as pretty useless information into a yeah. very compelling story that never gets heavy handed. It never gets boring. Yeah, like none of it's us need never, to know all that shit about ginseng. No, but now I do. And I didn't feel like this was overwritten at all. You no, know what I, I, mean? I absolutely didn't. He is so talented at giving you this incredible amount of information but doing it so smoothly that you don't even realize the amount you got it's also so incredibly relatable like yeah. i was not forced into ginseng farming at age 10 no um but, but i don't i knew it was like to have a brother you know that i worked with and, and, like, and there was that scene where they're drawing their own comics on recycled printer paper and i was like that was me totally i did that exact totally. thing you know, and he's just so good at conveying, like, emotion and youth and paranoia of getting old and mm-hmm. worrying about whether you've done the right thing or not. And just a greater world view around this one memory he had of ginseng farming. Uh, amazing. Uh, I, amazing. I, I, we keep, keep thinking of things to talk about. But one last thing I want to mention is um, I love the way he talks with his family. Yes. Um, I. Now, I apologize. I don't remember. Definitely more in issue two. But um, they address the fact that, like, his folks don't come off the greatest in blankets. Um, But they talk about how they came to accept it and become proud of it. They were poor. They talked about, uh, you know, he talked to his sister about why she wasn't in blankets. And it's all very nice, loving, uh, thoughtful portrayal of these people that are very important to him. Uh, and I'm glad for that insight because I read Blankets and I was like, oh, his parents are kind of shitty. <laughs> uh, 
but it was also like a moment in time where you know that's right. how he viewed and it's things. his heightened his yeah. heightened memory of of things. Of course, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Pick this up, Matt Bomb. Let's talk about Doctor Doom. My review is just as heady and just as interesting, and comes from <laughs> hard hitting, perhaps relevant, an even more relevant place. I am reviewing Doctor Doom number one from Marvel Comics, written by Christopher Cantwell, with art by Salvador Larocca. It's 48 pages, it's $4.99, and your suggested soundtrack is Green Man by Typo Negative from their album, October Rust. I love Typo Negative, and they're such dorks. <laughs> uh, R.I.P., by the way, Peter Steele. Oh, R.I.P. Typo Negative. He is a dead man. Here's your solicit. The Crack of Doom from Christopher Cantwell. Halted Catch Fire! She Could Fly! Comes a new monthly ongoing series. Victor Von Doom, scientist, sorcerer, disfigured face, twisted soul, has been spending much of his time warning against a trillion-dollar global effort to create the first artificial black hole, wrestling with visions of an entirely different life, a better future. Dr. Doom finds himself at a crossroads. What is he questioning? That's in parentheses for some reason. Like, I don't know. Hmm. A catastrophic act of terrorism kills thousands, and the prime suspect is Doom! Victor will have to push his unexplained thoughts aside and focus on remaining alive as the title of most wanted man is thrust upon him. Left with no homeland, no armies, no allies, indeed, nothing at all. This is the longest solicit I have ever heard. Will the reign of Dr. Doom come to an abrupt halt? It is a very long solicit. It ended, though. I lived through that. We got there. Comics about bad guys are just plain old tough to write. Are you going to try and make the reader feel empathy for a truly vile character? Or maybe at least see the logic behind their motives? Match that with the fact that Cantwell comes from the world of TV, and while this isn't his first foray into comics, it is his first time writing an iconic Marvel character. Cantwell's story and plot... Solid. The setup involves an installation on the moon designed to pull carbon out of the atmosphere with the aid of a small man-made black hole. What could go wrong there? Yeah, nothing. Never really go into how it works or why you need a black hole to do it, but whatever. Science, right? Yeah. <laughs> Doom, of course, hates the idea as it's based on Stark, Iron Man, and Richards, Mr. Fantastic Fantastic Four tech, but he decides to go on a morning news talk show to voice his dissent, which I was... Uh, Anyway, which seems a little I mean, odd. he is a world leader. I get he it. He would be a public figure. But Dr. Doom's not going to answer the call of Fox and Friends. He's like, Dr. I'm Doom, would you like to come talk with us? No, <laughs> fuck off. I'm Dr. Doom. Get out of here. <laughs> There's a fun relationship developing between the time-traveling Kang the Conqueror and Doom. It's written with real humanity, and I kind of liked it. While yeah. I usually don't care for LaRocca's photo reference style, he draws an amazing Kang. I thought this book looked incredible. I, it looked great. It looked yeah. really good. Canwell puts Doom in a particularly difficult situation where he looks pretty guilty, but when Union Jack shows up yeah. and starts smacking Doom around, I have to start to question the writer's grip on the character at all. Now, I love Union Jack, but he does not even get close to Doom, <laughs> let alone land a punch. Okay, now I was, I'm thinking, sorry. I was thinking about that. Doom was going to surrender. Yes. So I'm saying Doom was like not fighting at full Doomness. I'm saying you still don't get to punch Doom. He goes, hold it right there, U UJ. I surrender. You know, and, and UJ is like, what? And floating in the air or something, whatever. And there is no way that the Doom I know and love says out loud, Brexit stage left as he's kicking the British super spy's ass. Ugh. Yeah, I like had to set 
my iPad down that and was think about bad. what I had read. <laughs> sure, it's topical, but it's also not the kind of timely humor we've come to expect from Marvel's premier iron-fisted sorcerer, Despot. That's not how he fucking talks. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's a lot to like here, though, and while the plot comes out of nowhere, and why do we need a black hole to eliminate carbon from the atmosphere anyway? This it's the Marvel Universe. It's I super know. science. This new Doom series looks like it's going to be a fun way to reintroduce Victor as an A-list baddie in the Marvel U after his brief stint as Iron Man. <laughs> Remember that? I do, yeah. He it was, was fun. The, uh, the infamous Iron Man? Was that what it's called? Infamous Iron Man. I think. Uh, was it infamous Iron Man? I think so, yeah. I can't remember now. It was the infamous Iron Man. International. It was the infamous Iron Man. Was it? <laughs> yes. Okay. The intriguing Iron Man. Yeah, the incredible Iron Man. I'm getting this. Yeah, buy it. The incorrigible Iron Man. Uh, yeah, I really liked it. That Brexit line was stupid. Yeah, it, don't do that. And it we took me right that. out. Other than that, I thought this was re- really well written. I thought the art was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I am critical of LaRocca a lot. Yeah, he's not doing... He went through a phase where he was very photo Well, referenced. I think he still does it, but he's helped by the fact that the main character has no face. He's got just a robot face. Well, yeah, but I mean, he's still drawing other people in this. It's and true. It, and it's, it's not, you don't see him putting famous it's people's like faces on It's not like Sawyer from Lost right. as, I, as Tony Stark. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yes, I thought this was very good. That one very stupid quip. Yeah. Uh, notwithstanding. Did not need that. Uh, I'm giving this a buy it. I'm looking forward to more. No way Union Jack gets a shot on Dr. Doom. Oh, calm down. He's just a spy buster, okay? No. He's Union Jack. Uh-huh. So that is a double bite for Ginseng Roots number one and Dr. Doom number one. We'll post our written reviews over at TwoHeadedNerd.com so Boris Johnson can look back at Doom's one-liners and have a jolly old chuckle. Disheveled prick. God, I hate that guy. <laughs> but we need to know what you nerds thought of these comics too, so call this weekend on THN Cover to Cover at its new time, 11 a.m. to noon Central Standard Time. Welcome to the Ludicrous Speed Round. We are going to start showing these on our YouTube channel so you can be armed with information to go to your local comic book store to make an informed purchase. Well. It's very important. Yeah. Yes. But before we get into this week's reviews, we are bringing back the cocktail of the week. They are nerd and comic-inspired cocktails sure. from around the globe. This week, we are sipping on the Bruce Wayne. Yeah, shout out to JD Gotta Catch for the recipe. Here is your recipe in a cocktail shaker. You must have a shaker with ice. Pour two ounces of bourbon, four ounces of cold brew coffee. We're just using iced coffee today. And one half ounce of maple syrup. Shake a shake a shake a with proper form, which is up here behind your back. <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah. Pour into a rocks glass over ice and enjoy. That's not how Tom Cruise did it. Yeah, I agree. Excelsior. Excelsior. That is loverly. <laughs> and enjoy your cocktail while we review eight more of this Wednesday, October 9th, new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. Ludicrous Speed! Go! 
future fight first white fox number one from Marvel. That <laughs> just sounds like nonsense. Future Fight is a Marvel phone and tablet game that's sweeping the nation. And Agents of Atlas is the comic that Marvel desperately wants to sweep Asia. So what happens when a character made for Future Fight gets their own monthly comic? My guess is it's canceled in less than a year because Marvel puts out too many comics, but that's besides the point. Like the other AOA titles, this one centers around an Asian character. This time, it's a shape-shifting fox from a race called the Kumiho. Oh no, she's a fox, a real fox? And it features almost anime art in an attempt to make kids who love anime read comics. But guess what? They don't. They do. So they probably comics won't are read huge this. in Asia. Yeah, but they're not reading superhero comics yeah, like that's this. That's they're just fair. not. Make an anime, they might watch it, but I don't think the audience Marvel is trying to capture with titles like this even exists. It was cute and well-written for a YA title, but there's nothing here to bring a reader back and too many other Asian characters Marvel could do something with rather than plucking new characters from a video game. Giving it a skim it, because there was nothing inherently wrong with it. It's just why. You just hate Asians, I got it. Yes, yeah. specifically Asian fox people. Oh, oh yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Batman's Grave, number one from DC. The long-awaited reunion of the Authority co-creators Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch is finally here, and it is wonderful. Ellis takes us inside the mind of Batman as he himself tries to get into the mind of a victim found in a mysterious crime scene. Meanwhile, Alfred's hitting the sauce and questioning his lot in life. <laughs> the art is exceedingly beautiful. I had no idea Kevin Nolan was going to ink this series, and his work with Hitch is greater than the sum of its parts. I found myself just staring at the gorgeously detailed backgrounds. It's it's amazing. This was a great first issue. I'm really looking forward to the rest of the series. The Batman's Grave number one gets a buy it. Not a black label title. I don't think so, no. Okay. I think it's just a 10-issue mini. Joker, Harley Quinn, Criminal Sanity, number one from DC Black Label. If you didn't get enough of Harley's most recent Black Label title, Harleen, you can do it all over again here with this story of Harleen Quinn, pre-Harley Quinn, as a hard-nosed psychologist forcing herself into a police investigation, which I don't think psychologists do very often, of several seemingly connected grisly murders. If you love true crime podcasts and shows, you might be wondering why DC is trying to inject a true crime story into their fictional universe. Don't get me wrong, I love a good murder mystery, but I would argue this is not the most interesting part of Harley's character, and we already have one title telling a pre-Harley Harley story. Yeah, that's alright. There's like three more Joker projects on the way, too. So. Miko Suyon's art is gorgeous just in black and white, but when the book goes color, it gets really weird and it reminds me of the old photo reference digital work of Greg Land and Greg Horn. Yeah. Remember that crap? Yes. Like the other Black Label titles, this one has violence and F-bombs and like the other Black Label titles, I'm finding it hard to care about this one. I'm giving it a skim it. Edgar Allan Poe's Snifter of Terror, Volume 2, Number 1, from Ahoy! Ahoy's comedy horror anthology series is back for another round, but this time they seem to be playing it a bit more straight. Dean Motter's lead story is decent, but it lacks the comedic edge that I found so appealing in the previous volume. It's just a regular Poe-esque horror story. Snitter of Terror number one is well done, and it's packed with content like all of Ahoy's titles. It just wasn't what I was looking for from the series, though, so I'm giving it a strong skim. Listen to us this week. We're both just ugh. I mean, <laughs> that's like my most <laughs> that's my, like my most extreme review this week. 
Journey to Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker, Allegiance, number one from Marvel. How many more adjectives can we fit in this title? <laughs> I'm getting tired of these prequel comics that don't really set up anything other than revisiting the status quo after the end of the last Star Wars film. The art by Luke Ross is really great and captures the Star Wars look and feel of the films, but there just isn't much to read here, unless you really like Rey talking to herself instead of using thought bubbles. And P.S., why does no one use thought bubbles anymore? Um, just use a thought bubble. Jason Aaron's been doing it in Avengers. It's Good, fun. because narration is dumb. When a title walks around and goes, maybe if I use the force on this character, it'll work. Oh, but it's not really that thing's fault. It's not bad. You know, like, you're just talking? <laughs> you sound crazy. <laughs> this was perfectly fine Star Wars comic booking other than the ridiculously long title, but I have to wonder if Marvel Star Wars fans are getting as sick as the, of this many titles as I am. I'm giving it a skim it. Bobo Bomb currently trying to eat Matt Bomb yeah. live on the air. That's what he does. Yeah. Hellmouth, number one from Boom. The Buffy Angel crossover event kicks off here as the Starcross duo have their first proper meeting. Drusilla is about to open the Hellmouth, and the shit is really hitting the fan in Sunnydale. The Hellmouth. Hellmouth. <laughs> Jordi Belair and Jeremy Lambert's story moves fast, but still manages to hit some nice emotional beats. Eleonora Carlini's art is exciting, though some of the characters' faces can look a little odd. Uh, and Chris Peters' colors are especially dynamic. Hellmouth number one is a fun start to this event that brings two beloved characters back together again for the first time. Buy it. Shoplifters will be liquidated, number one from Aftershock. In this dystopic future, the world's largest retailer hired security that doesn't just catch shoplifters. They execute them on sight! Patrick Kindlin? Yep, Kindlin's script is darkly humorous and a fun look at commercialism run wild in a massive superstore environment that reminded me of a more colorful version of Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Fantastic cartooning by Stefano Simeone? I'm gonna say. Sure. Moves he moves the story along at almost an ADHD pace and injects humanity into the characters. I love highbrow satirical sci-fi, and this did not disappoint. I'm giving it a buy it. Cobra Kai, number one from IDW. Look, there's no reason that a Karate Kid sequel on YouTube 30 years later should be as good as it is, but I'm telling you, Cobra Kai is great. This comic adaptation tells the secret origin of the show's star, Johnny Lawrence, and his path to the All-Valley Karate Championship. Denton J. Tipton's script has just the right amount of 80s movie cheese, but the real stars here are the art team. Infinite Kung Fu's Kagan McLeod draws the hell out of this issue. I love him. Yes, and the colors by Luis Antonio Delgado are beautiful. If you're a fan of the show, you'll dig this, and it's a nice addition to the mythos if you have fond memories of the film. Cobra Kai, number one, gets a buy it. Bridge. That is your ludicrous speed round, and bridge is the sound of the juggernaut puking his guts all over Foggy Nelson <laughs> after watching Frank interrogate a frost giant. As seen in the pages of Punisher Kill Crew, number three, this onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by Adam Wednesday via Facebook, and his one note was to make it bassy. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Juggernaut's a bassy dude. Yeah. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week or suggest a cocktail recipe, you can barf it all over any of our social media accounts or send an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. You can also watch the Ludicrous Speed Round on our YouTube channel. They are usually up even before the show to help you, the discerning comic nerd, make an educated new comic book day buying decision. You're welcome.
Nerds, it is time to pay a visit to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where Joe and I go to meditate, practice our black magic skills, and of course, talk about our must-read picks for next week. Joe, I see you've been trying to scrub some stains out of the cloak of self-gratification. Look, it's not what you think. I was heating up some leftover pizza, and I spilled the ranch dressing. Uh Uh-huh, sure you did. Why don't you just tell the nerds about your must-read pick for Wednesday, October 16th. Pervert, 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 pervert. (laughs) It's a priceless mystical artifact, Matt. I would never treat it like an amusement park. Your your wiener? (laughs) (laughs) It's just a wiener. I've seen it. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. It's absolutely true. Fake news. Mm -hmm. Uh, my pick for next week, which you stole, is X-Men number one from Marvel Comics. It can be both our picks. I didn't steal nothing. Mine was in there before yours. No, it wasn't. I sent you these notes on Friday. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, it is written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Linnell Francis Yu. <laughs> is that how we're saying that now? Hickman. <laughs> it's 48 pages for $4.99. Here's your solicit. Dawn of X! The X-Men find themselves in a whole new world of possibility and things have never been better. And Jonathan Hickman... And superstar artist Linnell Yu revealed the saga of Cyclops and his hand-picked squad of mutant powerhouses that all just happen to be related to him somehow. Well, I mean, you know, when the shit comes down, where do you go? You go to family, right? You Come f- on. Family. 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 F- family. That's, <laughs> that's my Vin Diesel. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I said it earlier. Powers of 10, number six, broke my brain. I, I have need, not read it yet. I need, I'm going to read it. As soon as we're done here, I'm reading it. I need more X-Men stuff right this very minute. <laughs> the THN Trade of the Week goes to Things to Do Instead of Killing Yourself, the graphic novel. From Floating World Comics, written by John Michael Frank, with art by Tara Booth, it is 96 pages for $15? Yes. That seems pretty cheap. What a steal. Yeah. I, th- I didn't know if you were mad or No, excited. that seems cheap. Here's your solicit. Surreal and sadly relatable one-panel comic suggestions about how to live life. Instead of ending it all, you could paint a face on an egg and crush it, searching for something that you'll never find. Search for something that you'll never find with a metal detector. Or edit the moon's Wikipedia page. Don't do that shit. It's not funny, okay? (laughs) It's pretty funny. 100 snapshots to help one live life. Using dark humor and a focus on the inane as a vehicle for self-help. Featuring alternatives to struggling with poor mental health by way of untamed animals, positive affirmations, and one-star Yelp reviews. So some of the stuff that they're like saying, like, hey, don't kill yourself. Go be an asshole on the internet, you know? <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. Because, <laughs> like, some of those one-star Yelp reviews, feel free to kill yourself, okay? Like, I hate those people. <laughs> well, sometimes it's it's merited. I mean, sometimes I it's disagree. just mean. But. I don't disagree, but the ones that are like, oh, with this restaurant, my girlfriend broke up with me. One star. Like, oh, really? <laughs> was she that upset with her meal? You know? <laughs> she was so upset with her meal, she dumped you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this sounds fun. Uh, not fun, but... But like, I like this idea. I like this idea a lot. It does sound it's, fun. It sounds dark and like humorous and fun. Yeah, darkly humorous, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, a, a nice exploration of mental health and how to deal with that. Uh, yeah, absolutely looking forward to seeing what it's all about. Not going to let it sway me from my suicide 401k plan that I have, though. <laughs> well, if I can't afford to live anymore. Kapow. That's that. <laughs> Why save? 
These are just a few of the comics hitting the new shelves at your LCS next week. We want to hear about your must-read picks, and Joe would like to hear about some of your stain removal tricks. Head to the DHN forums it's not what and you let think. us know what you're reading, but also let us know what you would like to hear us review on the show. And don't forget to pre-order all your picks every week. And hey, creators, email us. Shoot us your comics. We'll review them on this damn show. That's twoheadednerd at gmail.com. Do it! With two new nerd-related shows hitting the airwaves this week, it must be time for some intense scrutiny during the Batwoman Primal Edition of Nerd TV. And you refuse to do it the hard way, huh? Yeah, I do. So we got Batwoman we on got Batwoman. Monday? Uh, it, Sunday? it aired on Sunday what and else? Tuesday. Okay. Uh, which is weird. It was so nice, they showed it twice. Yeah, or at least according to my DVR, they aired it on Tuesday. Batwoman is finally here, and incels everywhere are so angry that... Just up in arms. <laughs> throwing their TVs right off the roof. Uh, here's... Okay, so Batwoman. I really like the way that uh, Ruby Rose looks in the show. Mm-hmm. Honestly, she is intriguing to look at. She looks like she could kick your ass if you got in a fight. Yeah. She's not a bad actress at all. Uh, I thought the cr- the cast around her was pretty good. I thought, uh, I don't know, let's give her a serious cast. Uh, the kid that plays Luke Fox, Cameron Johnson, was cute. Alice uh, is Rachel Scarston. She's your main bad guy, and she's definitely not just like another Joker or Harley ripoff. There's something going on there, and I'm mm-hmm. not going to spoil it for those of you who haven't read the comics. Megan Tandy, who played uh, Ruby Rose's love interest, Sophie Moore, was interesting, and I thought they did a good job playing on the, yes, this character is gay, but not everything is going to work out for her, but not in the way that you think, you know? I mean... No spoilers here, but they're not just playing on it as like, oh, it's tough being gay because she's persecuted and whatever. Like there's other people in her life that are also gay that don't have the same freedom that she has for herself. That haven't made the same brave choice to just come out and be who you are. Right. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, The timeline. I want to talk about the timeline of the show because let me get to that. Let me because I just final thought on not final thought, but. That is where my interest in the show stopped. Because other than that, I thought this was super paint by numbers, rolled right off the it was CW very standard, factory floor. Yeah, origin. It could have been Arrow, it could have been Flash. I mean, like this rolled so quick. It was like, here's the character, here's who she is, here's the people in her life, here's the secret lair. Now she's Batwoman, and she's like totally into it. Batwoman, go. <laughs> you know, like it just, they didn't yeah. really build anything. It happened really quick. Apparently there's another bat cave in Wayne Industries, or is that the bat cave? Uh he's got little bat caves all over the place. Okay. Regardless, I, I don't know. This just felt it felt like they were relying too much on the fact that the character was gay, and this is the first time we've had a gay superhero character on TV, and we're not gonna put any more thought into it than that. Everything else, the bad guys are going to look really generic. Even her costume, the bad costume, did not look great. Well, that's because it's not done. It's not finished. Okay, fine. But and she, like, doesn't, she doesn't look like Batwoman. She looks like bat. She looks like a woman wearing a Batman costume. Right. And I, I'm hoping they will develop that. But like, 
even the story with like the crows who are the vigilante group that her uh, father put together. Like a Blackwater, like a private security. Right. That it's yeah. just running around with guns in the city and everybody's fine with this. Gotham like, is a bad place. Hey, uh, that's illegal. <laughs> so <laughs> No, I think that they are contracted by the government. That's I think they're working still for the city. Illegal. You can't have armed guards running around shooting at people working for the cops. That's what the cops do. <laughs> I think they have replaced the cops. I think they are working in place of the police force I mean, in fine, Gotham City. But even they, it was just like dudes in black they suits. They did the same thing in the comics. We didn't complain about it then. Well, it was ridiculous when they did it in the comics. No. We did complain about no. it. No. <laughs> we, when we read that detective comic story where her dad comes back and starts fucking with people, yeah, it was great. My point being, this just felt very generic to me. It, I, Gotham had no personality. It felt like Vancouver with the lights turned off. You it's know, Chicago. It's filmed in Chicago. Oh, is it filmed in Chicago? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Whatever. But I mean, like, they could have done something special and interesting here, and maybe they will, but it sure didn't start like that. I agree that the superhero stuff right now was very boilerplate. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did really enjoy the character stuff, and I don't think that, like, she's gay. That's her character. Mm-hmm. So that's not the CW being like, gay, 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 No, and I'm show. not saying that. I'm like, that's where, that was the interesting part. Right. And then... That was it. <laughs> right. I, I think the character work was really good. I thought the uh, the performances were strong. Doug Gray Scott plays her dad, Jacob Kane. And every time I see that guy, I remember he was almost Wolverine. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was. That's cat, right. He was cast as Wolverine right. in X-Men. And he turned it down because he was uh, doing Mission Impossible 2. So and it worked out great. He hitched his He's wagon been in every Mission Impossible the since then. Star. Man, and like that last Mission Impossible when he's flying around on the helicopter, yeah, like holding on. I was like, Doug Ray Scott, oh my God. Can you believe this guy's as old as Wilfred Brimley? That's right. <laughs> I also, uh, like the dad, I, I don't mind him as an actor and he's perfectly good, but he did seem like a little more dour and intense than he needed to be to his daughter. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, he's a military man. I guess. And that's the relationship they have in the comics as well. It's kind of almost adversarial. Yes, but I feel like her dad in the comics genuinely loves her. I felt that here, but he yeah, is yeah. gruff. Yeah. Uh, all right. uh, I feel like he's kind of just a shithead to be a shithead. Uh, so the timeline of the show. This was another thing. Uh, so she gets kicked out or she resigns. In the comics, she chooses to resign. Right. Um, from the academy, the military academy. She's not actually She's in, not the in the army, She's not in the military right? academy in this. She was, she was training to become a crow. That was the. No, no. This was the U.S. This was the U.S. military. And, oh, no, you're right. You're right. And she got don't ask, don't tell. Yeah. Which got repealed like a decade ago. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Long time ago. And here's another thing with timelines in the cross, the Elseworlds crossover that we had not too long ago. She was she established was as in that the woman. suit. She's running around yeah. doing the job. Why not just start the show like that? Yeah, I didn't really need the origin. Why not just you start the show like have, that? Have flashbacks to the origin. Yeah. Or but a, I didn't need the whole show to be the season origin. two. You want to do year one or something like that? Fine. Yeah. But man, you do this every time. It's literally like they have the script yeah. and they just like plug in the different character names and like. Yeah. 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 I agree. It was an uneven, uneven yeah. premiere, but lots of pilots are that way. You know, I'm, I'm, I think there's a lot there and I'm obviously, I, I watch way worse <laughs> superhero oh, it's shows. it's no Gotham. I mean, yeah. it'd be way worse. So yeah, I'm definitely willing to let it get its feet under it. But yeah, I do agree. It was kind of. Not uh, a great start. Uneven. Yeah. Not yeah. a great start. Tell us about Primal. Primal. 
He's the new cartoon from Genity Tarkovsky. You may How know. Do you say his name is it Gendy? I think or it's Genity. I think it's Genity. Jennifer Tartakovsky. Genity or Genderdy. <laughs> Gender identity Tartakovsky. <laughs> the man who brought us Dexter's Laboratory. Samurai Jack, the Star Wars prequel cartoon. Oh, uh, yeah, the Clone Wars. Oh, my God, those were good. They were better than the movies. <laughs> they were yeah. so good. Yeah. And here he's giving us the story of a caveman that teams up with a dinosaur just to survive. This is, I mean, obviously, they're messing with timelines a little bit here. Cavemen didn't run around with dinosaurs. I don't want to start any arguments with anybody. But <laughs> That's not what it says in the Bible, man. <laughs> but... This is, it starts off innocently enough where we see our caveman who never speaks. He has no, no, no name. He doesn't talk. He's just the star of the show. And he's fishing and he's doing his job. And a huge dinosaur shows up and you instantly get the scale of what this guy lives with. Like just trying to get food. A crocodile so big, <laughs> like bigger than a truck, yeah. shows up and he, all he can do is just run. That's it. Right. He has to run and survive. And when he comes home, his whole family is being devoured by dinosaurs. He's, he's his whole life just ripped away from him. And that is the cruelty of this world. And it is brutal. Like we yeah. see the kids get eaten. Yeah, it's not good. And in that moment, I, I was glued. It's like this cartoon gets it. It was incredible. Paying attention. Yeah, it was incredible. Just phenomenal storytelling with no dialogue, None. no words. And this and there was there were moments in this that were genuinely gut-wrenching. Yeah. It, like the scene where he stands on the side of the cliff and you can tell he's he's thinking about killing himself. He has nothing to live for mm -hmm. and he can't he's scared and he ends up just sitting down and moping and you're like, "Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> this is incredible." Yeah, it it was so well done. I don't know how long this is going to last. Uh, I don't know how long they can sustain it, but it was, I mean, if they, it was outstanding, if, if if, from what I understand, there was a premiere at the Alamo that I didn't go to where they showed the first four episodes. Mm. And I guess it's incredible. And each one is there isn't an overlying story other than survive. Is it all this guy? Is it all the, this guy the caveman? and the dinosaur that he teams up with buddies together? Moon boy and double dinosaur. Totally. But it's like they both learn that they're a little too small to live on their own. But when they fight together. Oh, friendship. Yes. But it's like it's this terse friendship. It's really cool. Yeah. But I guess the next episode is like just a chase scene from start to finish. Awesome. Like just awesome. a solid chase. I love this guy's art style. It has, yes. He's got this it's very so good. old school Hanna-Barbera almost like the dude is like He's it. like beefy. He's got huge Popeye forearms. Oh, yeah. And he uh, runs sort of like an ape, a mixture of an ape and a man, you know. And, yeah. Uh, but, and this is old school animation, too. You can tell. Like, mm, they are yep, drawing this out. I'm sure there is some animation. digital stuff that goes into it. It's probably all done digitally. Probably. But yes. It's, but it's they've gone out of their way to animated. very much make it feel like old school Saturday morning cartoons for adults. I loved this so much. Yeah, me too. Oh my god, uh, it was amazing. An, arti <laughs> an artist that uh, I just found out that an artist I follow on Facebook, uh, co-creator of Amazing Man, Stephen Destefano. No, no kidding. Uh, worked on this as well, huh. uh, and he's great. Uh, he was involved in kind of like the Mickey Mouse uh, kind of rebranding reboot that they did on Disney, like a new style kind of. He's an incredible artist, um, and yeah, this it looks great. It feels bad, but you can't tear your eyes off of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Watch Loved it. it. Absolutely. 
So we're giving Batwoman a watch it, and we're hoping it improves. Yeah, I mean, yeah, watch it. Not off to a great start, but I'll give it a watch it. And Primal, across the board. Oh, my Absolutely. God. Go find this Absolutely. if you haven't seen this. Watch this. It is incredible. Tartakovsky is an American gem. He is a treasure. That man is so talented. It's ridiculous. Yep. yep. It, like, he kind of goes away for a while, right? And then when he comes back, he swings big. Yeah. Like, I, like was Samurai Jack the last thing he did? Oh, when they did a Samurai Jack He did revival. a return of Samurai Jack. Yeah. Um, I think he's been doing a lot of production stuff. But, so. yeah, I just... The amount of thought and effort that yeah. goes into this stuff is incredible to me. It really is. Yeah. Excelsior! Oh. That is it for THN 547! And 548 is being chased by large, multi-toothed monsters right Ooh. now, so I don't know if it makes it or not. Joe, why don't you ask these nerds a new question of the week while we figure out a way to team up and kill these dinosaurs? This week's question was submitted by a new guy via the THN forums. What would America be without a great, cheap imitation cash grab designed to fool large swaths of the population? Dr. Pepper got us Dr. Thunder. The Blair Witch Project gave us all kinds of shaky cam, found footage horror movies. And my governor is just a dollar store Lex Luthor. <laughs> of course, comics have always been fertile ground for this bad imitation shiz. So, what character, storyline, or construct do you think was the worst Ripoff in comics. Lex Luthor wouldn't have any problem getting uh, execution drugs. I'll tell you what. That's right. He wouldn't have to <laughs> steal them from another nope, state. Not a problem. Uh, guys, we need question of the week suggestions. Please hit us up on the forums, on the Facebook page, email, whatever. Do the work. If you're new to this show and you're thinking about killing us and filming it for a found footage documentary about what happens to crappy podcast hosts, I assure you, it's only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com. But hosting that many episodes, it ain't cheap, baby. So we want to thank donors like our brand new patron, Adam K. Yeah, yeah, Adam. Just K. Just the letter K. That's what it said, Adam yeah. K. Yeah. He's like Mike D. My M-I-K-E <laughs> to the D. Exactly. <laughs> Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Spider-Man Far From Home star Tom Holland, who is apparently responsible for Disney and Sony mending fences and keeping Spidey in the MCU. How can this possibly be? Yeah, Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Apparently, Holland made a tearful call to Disney CEO Bob Iger, beseeching him to rejoin negotiations (laughs) with Sony. Uh, Oh, yeah, uh, Mr. Iger, yeah, this is Tom Holland. Um, Look, I I, I don't think it's been bad, but... Uh, I, I just think maybe if you just sat down and listened to him one more time, you know, for me, Tom he, Holland. You know, he's, he's British in real life. Uh, where do you, you say, bastard? Mr. Iger, it's me. Hi there, Mr. Iger. Joe Molland. Hey. Giving you a call. Bip, bip. <laughs> Am I? <laughs> Until next time, true believers. Remember to pre-order your comics. Your retailer might just scream at you in a shitty British accent for not doing so. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. Crikey. That's Australian. Eh, Crikey's Okay.